Good evening and welcome to Geekard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geekard. Where we have a pattern that we can't help reliving. Different people, different worlds, drawn to each other like magnets. I'm your host, Andrew Young. With me as always is Mr. Green. Drawn to you like a magnet. Yeah. Uh, don't don't say I like it. Just just I'm observing. I'm observing the situation. Yeah. Is that is that all? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people fine. All the people not so much. Fair enough. That's you know. his life. Well, you know, each, every one of us has our own chrono ball, so you know we can just uh, hang out in that. Everyone has their own chrono ball. That sounds like some sort of like that's going to put you on the shitter or something like that. You know, it's like oh, I got the chrono ball. Oh. Got hit with the Chrono Bowl. Sorry there. Can't come out. That's it. It's like, oh, you want to come over for a barbecue? Oh, you want to come and hang out at the birthday party? Oh, you want to come out and, uh, I don't know, like, play cornhole, something? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, you don't know. You don't get invited enough is what I'm hearing. That's. <laughs> oh, no. I, no I, I, I get invited. I just, I don't actually pay attention. Yeah, because you're too busy thinking about your Chrono Bowl. Totally. Yeah, that's it, right? It's like that that and and well and, and and steak on a barbecue or a hot dog or a hamburger. There you go. Too much of that though. Put you in the chrono bowl. Uh we got a great show for you tonight. Later on in the program we're we'll talking to uh two dudes uh that uh they're animators, they're comedians, they're both. Bart Bachelor and Chris Nielsen, the uh two men behind Psychops, the Adult Swim Canada show which is now available on Adult Swim and uh, well, at least the first couple episodes are, as well as Stack TV. We're talking with them about the series. we got a movie review coming your way. The Flash, it's out this week. One of the longest waits for a DC film. People have been talking about it for years. Did it live up to the hype? We'll find out. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. Definitely going to talk about that, uh, and also we're going to be talking with someone who actually will be sticking around to do the movie review with us, because they also have a lot of things to say about it. Uh, our first guest tonight is comic creator behind That Texas Blood, uh, Chris Condon. So we'll be talking to Chris Condon tonight about That Texas Blood, an image series, as well as uh, the story he has in Zeno, the new Ani Press uh, anthology one-shot. Well, or sorry, first of three one shots and probably some of his other comic stuff as well. So we've been talking with him. It's going to be a fun jam packed show. So before we get into it, we're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Chris Condon right here. Geek Card, Reality Radio 101. Hey, 
Hey everybody, Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Hard? Answer, listen to Geek Hard while wearing a Geek Hard t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Hard. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Hard shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, and we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geek card. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Key Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Key Card, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. In just a moment, we'll be talking with Chris Condon. About his comic work on that Texas Blood, Zeno, maybe even Hell is a Squared Circle. Who knows? Before we do that, just to remind you folks that if you like what we do here and you want more of it in your life, there's a place you can go. Patreon.com slash geekard. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be helping us make this great show. And you'll get some cool exclusives, including access to the Extra Hard Podcast, an extra podcast hosted by Mr. Green, where he and a special guest talk about movies, TV, actors, directors, and they really just get down and dirty with it. Uh, we have a huge back catalog of episodes with a bunch of cool people that Green has talked to, and we've got more episodes on the way. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I uh, now that uh, I'm feeling better and uh, other people's schedules are starting to align again, there mm. there will be uh, there's at least there's at least uh, one for sure in the works. I uh, just need to get that nailed down. But yeah, that, there's more coming. Um, it, we have not given up the ghost on that at all. There we go. There we go. So it's just taking a rest. But hey, while you're waiting for new episodes to return. As we said, there is a plethora of episodes that you might not have heard yet. And if you haven't heard it, it's new to you, my friend. So go to patreon.com slash geekcard and sign up today. It's time now we get into the show. We got a great show. We might as well get it on the run here with our first guest. He is a comic writer who is the uh, one of the minds behind That Texas Blood. Uh, he also has a new story in the Oni Press book Zeno, uh, number one, that came out this week, and has also written the one-shot Hell is a Squared Circle for Aftershock Comics. Please welcome to the program, Chris Condon. Howdy. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. How you doing, man? Doing well. Doing well. That's good. That's good. Day. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah, because... Uh, uh, I'm really glad that we got you on the show. Of course, I uh, I got to meet you at uh, the Toronto Comic Arts Festival, and mm -hmm. tell you you know face to face how much I enjoy that Texas Blood. 
Uh, so I, I think we'll start off with that. And I got to say, with that Texas Blood, when it first came out, I was like, I remember reading the first story arc, and it felt like No Country for Old Men. You know, you're following a bunch of like a couple of people where he's like, how do these stories tie together, and what's going to happen to these people? Then the second arc kind of took like the flashback kind of route. And Sheriff Joe Bob was looking back at a case from the 80s that uh, mm-hmm. involved a cult. Then you just went straight to the past of the third arc. No flashback sequences set in the 90s with a serial killer in the middle of a snowstorm. By God, this this book keeps evolving into more and more Southern fried noir. I'm just digging it. Was that always the case? Was your plan to always kind of shift with the narrative or was that something that happened organically? Yeah, I mean, the the idea. So, I mean, it's it's in our pitch that we sent to Image. Um, we we basically we we had I think it was eight pages of story that we sent, and it was essentially the climactic ending of issue one, um, which Jake ended up redrawing and recoloring and all that. But it was a, like a version of that uh, ending of issue one was the beginning of our pitch, and then the end of our pitch was sort of what we thought a series could be. And uh, I didn't get into specifics exactly, but I, I did say that, well, we, we could, there's one arc that we want to do that's set in the 1980s called Eversol, 1981. Uh, and, you know, just kind of exploring this place and, and the people that live in it across time, and, you know. Uh, so it was always kind of there. Uh, but in terms of the specifics of it, that all sort of happened organically. Um, so like I said, I did have an idea for Eversol. Um, I didn't exactly have an idea for, um, what the serial killer arc was aside from the fact that I, I wanted to do, I thought it'd be fun to do an arc that was set in a blizzard as a serial killer comes into town. Um, and I had a, I had a title that I had actually come up with for a different story, but I liked the title. So I carried it over and it was the snow falls endlessly in Wonderland. Um, so that sort of just became its own thing. And then now we're doing the Enfield Game Massacre, which is technically it's its own thing. It's technically a spinoff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to be able to play in in this universe that we've created and, and not even in a universe, really. It's just a county. Right. But it's it's fun to be able to um make stories with the, you know, these same characters and, and not even, it, we could also explore their lineage, you know, going back to the 1870s. Um, so that's, that's fun too. It's just to, to sort of see where the County comes from and who, who, how people become the people that they are and, you know, how, how they, how they got to where they're at and all that. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit of, planning and a little bit of just organically it found its own way so both happening at the same time that's awesome yeah well i think that's writing in general i mean i the the second issue of enfield which obviously i'm not going to give you spoilers for but the ending of issue two of enfield i didn't expect to be what it was i had expected to go a different way and then i found myself in a corner and i was like oh my god I'm 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 heading this one way and I didn't think I was going to be heading this way because it, it's it's much darker it's much harder to get out of this one way but I felt it was necessary to go there um based on how the story was evolving because it's like I I can have an outline I can have ideas of where I want to go 
with a script. But once I'm actually scripting and I'm laying out panels and I'm writing dialogue and uh, figuring out the story, uh, a lot of the time it will just organically evolve and it will become its own thing. Uh, so, you know, and that that's one of the things that I love about writing the actual script. I, I, you know, I've been writing pitches and sending them out to different publishers and all that. And I, I kind of hate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the idea of, you know, having more, you know, series and uh, one shots and what have you, but it's just, it's uh it's a bummer to send out a, a pitch because I feel like the pitch is only this, malformed thing you know uh yeah. it's not what it's actually going to be so it's it's a it's it's frustrating for me on one end but i understand the necessity of it but it's you know because it, it's very much it like i said it just organically is its own thing at the end of the day right yeah it, you know as i was reading the book now i'll admit uh andrew has been talking about this for a long time but for me i i'm coming late to the game but i i'm glad to join the game at this at this stage regardless uh because it's 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 a ton of fun to read um you know even as dark as it can be obviously but i i was just wondering uh if you want if you could speak a little bit to because one of the things i love about this is that the book is so accessible to even like non-hardcore comics readers right like somebody could jump into this book and read it and then get a sense of what comics can be, you know, like versus what a lot of people's opinions, like, you know, cause they think they see Marvel, they see DC, you know, like all those things. And they think, Oh, superheroes and Thor and Iron Man. That's not what all comics are about. Like there are comics like yours that are dealing with heavier, you know, more, uh, more uh, uh, depth filled stories than just, you know, your superhero villain dynamic. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think one of the things that we do um, is we we put character first. Um, dialogue is always a big thing for me when I'm writing a script. I always repeat the dialogue to myself. I say it out loud. I act it out when I'm writing it. So I try to get it to be as you know authentic as possible just to myself. If I can't sell myself in the dialogue, then it's not working. And I might as well just cut it out. Um but also, I, I feel like one of the strong things about both Jake and, and myself and one of the things that I think that our collaboration thrives on is our visual storytelling. I, I think that we're able to tell a story. Like, for example, the Snow Falls Endlessly in Wonderland, the serial killer arc. Um, I don't know if you caught up with that one, but it's essentially a, a it's a, a largely silent comic. Um, there's not a lot of dialogue in that comic throughout the six issues it, it's very minimal dialogue and that was on purpose um because it's essentially all the characters are isolated right they're all by themselves and so if you're able to keep people on the hook for six issues uh and keep them thrilled um you know worried about the characters worried about what could be in the house yada yada um, I think that speaks to the the, the visual storytelling in, in the comic. I mean, that's one thing that we really try to do. I mean, we we talk about it. We, I mean, it's it's in the script, but it's also when Jake translates the script into an actual comic book. Um, you know, it's one of the things that he tries to to really uh, push the envelope on, and that's one of the things that I mean we're doing with Enfield as well. We're we're drawing a different. Uh, we're we're trying a different style in terms of how we're telling the story. We're we're doing it mostly. It's mostly three panels, 
per page and splash pages. Um, we're trying to minimize the amount of panels that we have per page. There's definitely, I mean, there's exceptions, but it's it's mostly three panels per page and then splash pages. And that, and that was, you know, that was sort of us coming at it from the perspective of watching an old Western, watching an old John Ford Western, you're watching widescreen, Vista Vision, CinemaScope, like that kind of thing. And we wanted to capture that feeling of it. Um, and also just try something new and see if we can do it and do it successfully. Um, and I mean, just having looked at the first issue at this point, I, I, I do think that that's something that we were, pardon my dog. Um, he disagrees with me, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, you always, you know, it's always the people closest to you that are your worst critics, definitely. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think that that's it, it's one of the, you know, like my girlfriend can read our comics. She doesn't read comics, but she, she reads our comic and she can understand and get it. And I think that that, you know, it's part of it is just the visual storytelling. And also one of the things that one of my friends was saying to me actually just recently about what he really likes about what Jake does. And this is a thing that both Jake and I talk about um, is that we don't we don't have pretty people in our comic. They look like real people. And I think that's another thing is that we just, we serve, we like, for example, again, in the Snowfall Sandlessly in Wonderland, there's a character who runs the uh, Ambrose County public radio station. And it was just some picture of some random guy that Jake saw. And he was like, I got to put this guy in the comic. You know, he's just an interesting looking guy. And I think that that's one of the things that we, we, we add to our comic is, you know, these people are real people. You know, you, you, you can imagine yourself running into them at some point in your life, you know, whether it's in your own hometown or whether it's, you know, out visiting Texas, you know, it's like that, that's, that's really, it's, it's, uh, it's something that we try to bring to it is, is our sort of realism to it. And then, you know, obviously push the boundaries in whatever story we're telling. Of course. Yeah. We got an email in from Evan H who says, Hey geeks, Condon is very talented. Love this dude's work. Secondly, the flash, the flash is the flash is the flash is the flash is the flash. Ho hum. Thank you for that detailed review, Evan. <laughs> we'll, we'll be giving our, we'll be giving our review and Chris will be giving his review later on in the show of the flash. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, we're talking about the accessibility of, the, of this series and like also really looking forward to what's happening, what's going to be happening with the Enfield gang massacre. Uh, like judging by the comics that you've got, you've done with that Texas blood is that there's a very, a lot of cinematic kind of, um, uh, you know, just, uh, fundamentals in your storytelling is that it does, it does, everything does feel like, like the, you know, the kind of compressed nature of like a noir. And now, as you're saying, you know, you've gone to the Western things, so you're doing like the big wide stuff, you and, and of course, Jacob does a great job of, displaying that again he's you know his artwork is very much like cinematic but with this i know you've mentioned that you've you know watched some some western stuff but like how far do you delve into the western elements and how much is still because again it's a western thriller how much is still kind of in that you know that noir tip i mean it it's very much of that texas blood type story uh i it's darker than most westerns i will say that um it's bleaker than most westerns um 
and in that way it's very much texas blood but in that way also i mean we, you know we try to have some fun with it um the, the, there are some fun scenes and some fun characters um we've built out this gang full of people that are interesting and each have their own specialties like there's an explosive specialist there's a person who focuses their focus is knives you know so we have like people who have a thing that they do and that's something that we don't have in that Texas boy that we're able to play on and sort of, you know, sort of pull from something like the wild bunch of like everybody's got their like sort of personality or whatever. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely I, I watched a lot of Westerns. I've watched a lot of Westerns throughout my life. I'm a big fan of Westerns. I mean, I read a book called That Texas Blood. I mean, I should also say, I mean, Cormac McCarthy just passed away um, and he was a huge influence on me. Um and one of his the books that I the first book that I've read by Cormac McCarthy actually was Blood Meridian, um, which a lot of people say is one of the greatest books of all time. Um, if not, just, you know, a lot of people say it's the greatest book of the 20th century. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of that in the Enfield Game Massacre in terms of the, the, the bleak outlook of the Western expansion of the American the American experiment, I guess. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a dark bleak time and it's very easy to look back on that, uh, when you're watching a Western and see it as a fun rootin' tootin', you know, uh, time, but it's, it was very, it was, it was harsh. It was bleak. It was hard. Um, you know, it, where, where our story is taking place, it's, you know, that's uh, the Civil War has just ended. Um, you know, we're in the South. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff going on. But I mean, I I on top of just watching westerns, of you know, I was literally doing everything from reading like Rawhide Kid comics to you know reading. I'm reading uh, for the first time. I, I've read Tr Charles Portis before, but I've never read True Grit, and I've loved the movie um, forever, both versions of the movie. But I prefer the Coen Brothers version, but reading the Charles Portis, uh, true grit novel right now. Um, and it's fantastic. And, um, but I'm, I also talked to, um, a West Texas historian, talked to him about the time. And he actually influenced a very specific thing in our comic, which is uh, the, the main villain, not a villain from his perspective, of course, but the main villain, um, is, a, I had him as a U.S. Marshal. And in talking to this West Texas historian, he said, well, it would have been a Texas Ranger because this the Texas Ranger would override any other law in in the county. U.S. Marshals, federal, it would be a different thing. So, well, okay, you know that that's interesting, and you know. So then I started picking up books on Texas Rangers and reading books about Texas Rangers and kind of just studying it, and then studying the the area um, that our comic is based on. So it's our our fictional county Empress County is based on there's a few counties there's Brewster County uh, Presidio County and uh, Jeff Davis County um, uh, unfortunately named after the Confederate president um, and why they changed it I asked and they just go they just haven't that's like literally their answer is they're just like we haven't done it that's it like, that's uh, well, you know are. we're we're up in we're up in Canada and uh, I I believe for a long period of time, there was a town called Swastika, Ontario, mm. and they just kind of kept their name all the way up into the 80s. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting to look at the the history of those places, uh, the real places, and, and to try to figure out a way to fit that in our fictional county, kind of compress it and boil it down and make it you know able to fit into a six issue miniseries. Um, and one of the big things that stuck with me is the fact that there's you know there's the fort, which is in real life is Fort Davis, uh, in our fictional county it's for it's fort lahane um and it's been that since issue one um but it's you know there's a real fort where the union army is stationed um and th- there's some town the little town has started to crop up around it and the sort of let's say uh eastern thinking people are in a place called newtown course, they're trying to build, you know, it's trying to be law abiding and all that. And then there's another area called Chihuahua and Chihuahua in our story is a very, it's a very diverse area. Um, and it's also a very progressive area. Um, and in that there's, there's tension and that's, that's what our story is really about is that tension. Um, so it's, it's interesting to be able to play with the, the real world, um, events and, and, politics and and to to bring it into our fictional world and and to be playing around with that um yeah so it's it's interesting yeah it's interesting but yeah it's you know a lot of a lot of it comes down to movies too though just classic movies classic comics i've been reading a lot of uh uh sergio topi um and uh watching a lot of sergio leone uh you know well, of the course, content. you got to get the spaghetti westerns in, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Of for sure. I, you know, Chris, I, I just to change gears slightly, I, I do want to uh, uh, hit on uh, uh, the uh, Zeno uh, story you did, uh, Chip, mm-hmm. um, because when I read it, you know, I just one of the things I loved about it was the kind of like Twilight Zone, Black Mirror, like whatever kind of you know that that weird uh, you know short story s. Uh, you know, way you tell this, this crazy concept that at the same time, I, as I was reading it, I was like, I could actually see this happening. And that terrified <laughs> me more than anything else that I was, you were doing in the story. <laughs> I was like, yeah. shit, I can totally see the world that we live in getting to this point. What, like, what, what did, uh, like, what was the, the whole, um, you know, backstory, like what, what dre- drove you to this story to tell it? I mean, I wish I had a better answer than it was just, uh, I mean, first of all, it's a great, it's a great collection of stories. Um, I really love all the stories in that first issue. I haven't read issue two or three yet. I'm really excited to read them. I think the Xeno is a really cool anthology. And I honestly, so, I mean, obviously Oni had its issues, um, which very public and everybody knows what's happening, happened with it. Um, uh, but there's a a new guy in town, Hunter Gorenson. He took over. He reached out to me, um, and basically he 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 was like, I, I want to build out this uh, this the idea to do like comics in like a sort of weird way in which she had grown up uh, with them. So it's like comics of the '80s, comics of the '90s, zines, um, underground comics. Uh, that's what he wanted to do, and that's what Zeno is really. Um, and when he pitched me this idea of doing a sci-fi anthology and having a short story in there, um, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm just really excited to be able to play in the sci-fi world because, you know, everybody thinks of me as like 
Brubaker 2 or <laughs> um, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's fun to be able to do something that's a little different. Um, and- I got to jump in for a second and say, yeah, your case isn't helped by the fact that you do a comic with Jacob Phillips. I know. Yeah. The son know. of Brubaker's collaborator. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was, you know, I just, I'd sent a few different um, ideas out to, to Hunter and just said, you know, tell me which one you want to do. Basically, that's what it came down to. So I sent it to Hunter and a few of the editors there. Um, and the chip was one of them. And the chip was the one that they chose. Um, and basically what I was doing, I was just trying to come up with ideas that I thought would be interesting and, and I thought would have, you know, legs to tell us it. It was short and would be interesting and sort of capture the, I always go back to EC comics in terms mm-hmm. of like short storytelling in comics. Cause I love those stories. I love, you know, it taint the meat and foul play and all those, like the great stories that are just, you know, these like twisty turny, get your comeuppance kind of stories. Um, not that our character in Zeno uh, needs to have a, uh, his ass handed to him, but he does. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I just start, you know, I just was thinking like, well, you know, if to, to do like, well, if you're going to do sci-fi, it's like, well, obviously video games is like, um, that's something that you can play with. And what, what is the future of video games? And if you're doing like virtual reality, it's like the, the idea of just doing something where it's like a hallucinatory experience. That's a video game. And you and you're just not really sure if it's reality or what is happening. It just like intrigued me, um, and to end it on a fairly brutal note, I thought would be pretty wild and pretty great. And I, I'm like really pleased that they put our story last because <laughs> the last panel is pretty, yeah. pretty intense. Yeah, I'd uh, say um, so. And yeah, and Nick delivered uh, tenfold on that too. So I'm really yeah. It, I mean, it just came from wanting to tell a good story, I guess, really, is at the end of the day, really, where it came from. I didn't come from anywhere. I wasn't, like, sitting there going, I can't wait to tell this story. I just, <laughs> you know, came up with some ideas and just you know, sort of developed it out of there. Um, oh, and just no. hoped that we were going to be able to do it in a way that was successful, and I feel like we were. I mean, I, at the end of the day, like, I don't know if something's working until I actually get the, the physical copy myself, and I, like... I have that weird disconnect where I'll look at a page on a digital screen and I'm like, I can't really tell if it's working or not. I'm just like, I don't know. But when I get the actual comic, I'll sit down, like I read my actual comics that I buy at the shop. I, I bought my copy of Xeno. Um, I haven't gotten my comps yet. So I bought a copy, sat down and read it cover to cover. And I was like, okay, we did it. You know, it, it yeah. worked. Well, it's pretty awesome. You can, of course, uh, get that at your local comic shop right now. Xeno number one is available. And, of course, coming this August will be the first issue of the Enfield Gang Massacre. And, of course, the first three arcs of That Texas Blood are available in trade. And uh, also, just a shout-out, if you get a chance and you're into noir stories and wrestling, definitely check out Hell is a Squared Circle, which I had a lot of fun with. But we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to be giving our review of The Flash. And, of course, we would love if you guys would email in with your reviews as well, geekcardshow at gmail.com. We'll be back. Geek Card Reality Radio 101.
Remember when you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy? What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. Well, we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card on this lovely Friday night. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here with our special guest, comic creator Chris Congdon of That Texas Blood. Uh, we're going to be giving our review right now of The Flash. Before that, just want to read an email from Ron M. who says, Not expecting anything great with The Flash. I was disappointed in the past. Hey, happy summer. Happy summer to you as well, Ron. And uh, maybe after you hear what we have to say, that might sway you one way or the other on whether or not you should check out The Flash, directed by Andy Muschietti, written by Christina Hobbs and Joby Harold, based on the DC comic book Flashpoint by Jeff Johns and Andy Kubert, produced by DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Pictures, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Here to read the synopsis is a man that he doesn't really need to go back in time because he's lived all of time. Our good friend, the old man. Hey, how's it going? How's it going pretty good, bud? You? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. The Flash, eh? I remember Jay Garrick. He was great. No, no, y- y- that's the old Flash. Oh, okay. All right. That's, there's more. That. There's more than one Flash. Right, right. Wally West. No, no, that was that was the third Flash. Okay. What about that Bart kid? No, fourth Flash. Oh my God! So this is what the second Flash. This is Flash Two. Flash. Oh, Flash Two. It's like Coke, but better, right? <laughs> it was Flash Sometimes. Classic and Flash Two. Yeah, you could put it that way. That I think good. I think some people would agree with that completely. Barry Allen being, you know, you know, a, 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 for a lot of people, that's their Flash. So there you go. All I gotta say is that the new Flash he'll be around forever. It'll never go out of style. Much like the new Coke, <laughs> it did not go out of style. <laughs> that that's. I that's, still got a case in my freezer. Yeah, you, you you should keep it there, uh, and, and you know we'll we'll we're probably going to talk a little bit about this flash. Oh, I thought you could say we we're going to talk about the new, new Coke because I no, got uh, I can was, I have lots. Nobody of wants to, to talk about new Coke, man. All right, all right. Barry Allen is struck by a bolt of lightning and dust, and extraordinary powers born inside him. The Speed Force. When he uses his power to run back in time and save his mother, he creates a world without heroes. And General Zod has returned. Oh man. Needle before Zod guy? Oof. To defeat him, his only hope rests in the hands of a retired Batman, another Barry, and an imprisoned Kryptonian. Oh, that sounds like a ragtag group. I might go check this out. Who knows? We'll see. 
We'll take a listen and we'll let you know. All righty. I don't know. I don't listen to your guys' show. so I know you don't. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, you don't pay me enough. And there he goes, the old man, getting in that dig right at the end. It always yeah. stings. Oh, my God. Do? So, yeah, so The Flash, it's in theaters. Uh, Chris, you got a chance to see it last night. What were your thoughts on The Flash? So I should tell you up front, I'm a big Flash fan. I love okay. Flash comics. Um, read Flashpoint as it was coming out. Really enjoyed it um, when it was coming out. Um, I've seen the 90s show. I've watched some, not all of the newer show with uh, Grant Gustin. Um, but I'm an even bigger fan of the Tim Burton Batman films. I'm a, I'm a very big Mike Keaton fan. I actually own the very first draft of the Batman film uh, written by Sam Hamm. It's dated 19, uh, 1986. Uh, Batman has a bow staff in it. Robin is in it. Yep. It's it's pretty well. Um so I, I'm I'm very much the the person that uh, is the audience for this film, and I you know I I had heard the James Gunn this is one of the best superhero films of all time, and I I was like oh, but then you realize okay well he's you know he's in charge of DC films now he's probably just saying that, and then the reviews started to come in and they weren't all that great. And, you know, so there were some that were, you know, this is exciting, this is great, but there, you know, there's a lot of reviews that were coming in that were just like sort of middling, and, you know, eh, it's just another superhero film, another DC, whatever. Um, some people calling it a failure. Well, I sat down with lowered expectations in my seat yesterday, and I have to tell you that I watched that movie and I enjoyed myself immensely. I I really I really enjoyed myself. I laughed throughout it. I was uh it pulled at my heartstrings when it needed to. I it really worked. I would I call it a, a great film? I don't know if I call it a great film, but did I really enjoy it? Yeah. And I think that it might be I don't know what you guys feel about the Snyderverse and all the newer DC movies that have come out, but I think that this might be one of the better DC movies to come out in the last ten years. I, I really do. I mean, outside of, you know, the Batman, a couple other films, but I mean, I, I really do think that this, this was, it did exactly what it needed to do, which was it needed to be fun. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I saw the pictures of the toys of Dark Flash and I was like, that kind of looks silly, but it works in the film, you know, for what, what it is. Obviously, I'm not thinking spoilers, but it's for what it is. It's, it's, it's really cool. You know, I, I, I liked seeing, uh, Michael Shannon as Zod again. I enjoyed all the, all the cameos that popped up here and there. Um, I, I I just I thought that it was a wild, fun time. I really enjoyed Andy Muschietti's uh, direction. Um, I really enjoyed his uh, employment of visual storytelling. Um, I I just yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I really thought that it was great. I, you know, I obviously the whole Ezra Miller of it all. Um, hung over everything, but uh, I was so drawn in by the film that I didn't even think about them until, you know, the film was over and we were talking about it after me and my, me and my buddies. Um, but it, it was great to see Michael Keaton in the bat suit again. Um, is it the Burton verse? No. Um, and that's kind of disappointing. Uh, it's not, it's not a Tim Burton film, so it's not going to be what you might expect like 
a, like a later 30, 40 year sequel to, uh, uh, you know, a Batman film, uh, made by Tim Burton would be, uh, it's not that, but it is, um, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting, you know, and I also thought it was a really interesting adaptation of Flashpoint, um, because it, it took a lot of the beats of Flashpoint, but it wasn't a direct adaptation of it. And I think that that's how you should do an adaptation of a comic, um, especially something as diverse as, as the Flash, where you have, you know, what, 75, 80 years of stories, um, you know, whether you go from Jay Garrick to Barry Allen to Wally West to, you know, it, it, you, you, you go throughout that history of the flesh and you have all of these years of, of history, um, to pull from. And it's not all just centered in this, like, what was it? Five issue series that, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Johns and Matt, uh, Andy Cooper did. Um, it was Andy Cooper, right? It wasn't Andy Cooper. Yeah. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. Was it Adam? <laughs> <laughs> They they get that a lot. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we got we got an email in from uh, from Kelly T. Uh, their response is too many flashes, getting boring. Love that old man. Well, the old man he loves you as well. He does, Mister Green. What are your thoughts on on the Flash? Uh, well, you know, uh, Chris hit on some of the. Uh, you know, briefly the, some of the complex issues with the film, um, you know, as, as he put it, and I, I kind of agree with it, the Ezra Miller of it all. Um, so I'm just going to put that off to the side for a second. Cause I got, that's a whole other podcast um, just for that topic. But I, what I want to say about this film, uh, Sasha Kale, uh, I think is getting done dirty. I really enjoyed her Supergirl. Uh, Michael oh, Keaton. Yeah, is- she was good. Yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton as Batman was the thing that I didn't know I needed, but absolutely did need as I watched it. Cause I was like, yeah, it was, I, I think, I think he does so much more here than he does in the, even in the original 89 film. And I just love the nods going back to the, like some of the stuff that goes back to the 89 film. Um, I loved all that stuff. Uh, Ron Livingston as Henry Allen. I was like, yeah, all right. It's nice to see uh, Ron doing something that like in a superhero superhero universe. That was cool. Uh, Like, you know, Irons and Tamara Morrison making appearances, things like that. But I got, okay. So here's the elephant in the room for me. Um, Man, did the CGI suck in this film. I can't put it any straighter than that because you look at like the baby scene, you look at the the whole, like the whole uh, chrono bowl third act, you know, uh, uh, merging of worlds as it were of a sort. Um, when that stuff was going on, some of the, some of the CG there, I like, like I, I popped of course from a boy when I, when he showed up, um, you know, uh, as Superman, I was like, yes, that's like cool. And then they closed in. He was probably the best done of the CGI. Um, mm. I had a real, pro- like even, uh, Michael Shannon, which I know he was there. He he was doing acting, but they did so much CGI with him. I was like, ah, oh. and this is a film that was two years in the making. However, all of that being said, all of my complaints aired out for the most part. I kind of have to agree with Chris a little bit here uh, on, on my overall feeling about it. Like it probably is in the, in the top tier of uh, the DCU films. Um, and I kind of really enjoyed the story. 
I just, I just wish that the effects were better and we didn't have to deal with the baggage of Miller um, because this version of Barry is probably the best version of his Barry. I enjoyed this Barry the most. It's still a little bit too Jerry Lewis for me, but I get what you're saying. Overall, the, the, though, it the, sounds the, like the you younger get... alternate Barry, especially, yeah. but the older Barry. Yes. Yeah. Overall, I hear what you guys are saying. So obviously you're both saying see it in theaters, correct? Definitely. No, I think that, I think oh. that it would be it. I don't think that it would be a successful as successful of a film at home. Okay, where is I think, I think that it's it's cut in a way where it, it works as a theatrical film. Okay, Green, you're saying wait till rental? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I stream it. Uh, I, I, there are other films in the theaters right now, like Spider-Man, that I would recommend way more. And there's, which there's is, still, which there's is, still which Blackberry. Which bothers me because I love The Flash. There's still Blackberry out there, and The Blackening has has made it to theaters. Oh, The Blackening is great. But yeah. I will, I'm going to have to agree with, with Green here and say wait till rental or streaming. Uh, I I liked the film. I found it a bit uneven though, but when it was cooking, it was cooking really well, but when it was, mm-hmm. but then there'd be moments that would take me out of it, either a bad joke or as you said, CGI babies. Um, but overall, yeah, I'd say wait till rental streaming and check it out. We're going to take, I want to thank Chris for coming on Chris Condon. Thank you so much for coming on, but we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Bart Batchelor and Chris Nielsen of Psychops. But, uh, of course, Chris, thank you so much for being on. Where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me uh, in the Chrono Ball. Uh, that is Twitter. I, I am, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and now Blue Sky, at Christoph Condon. So it's Christopher without the E-R. There we go. Well, again, thank you so much, Christopher. I'm really looking forward to the Enfield Massacre. And uh, we'll definitely have you back on again sometime. Happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Have a great night. Thanks, Chris. All right. We're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Bart and Chris of Psychops right here. Geek Card, Radio Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card, friends. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here, and we're just going to keep this train rolling into our final guests of the evening. They are animators. They are comedians and they have a great show psychops which is now 
uh, available. Well, the first two episodes have aired on Adult Swim Canada and are available on Stack TV. Welcome to the program, Bart Bachelor and Chris Nielsen. Hello. Thanks, Thanks for having us, us guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, guys. Sounds like uh, there's a car accident happening somewhere behind one of you. <laughs> Always. Omnipresent. Uh, I live downtown, so at all times there's a car accident happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So uh, Psychops debuted on Adult Swim Canada just this past week. Uh, two really fun episodes. Uh, you guys will be putting out 24 11-minute episodes uh, over the next little while. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to check out the show thus far, tell the good folks what it's all about. Uh, it's a, well, our elevator pitch is it's X-Files if Mulder and Scully were two morons. Uh, so it's a paranormal investigation show. It's a cartoon, adult comedy, uh, 11-minute episodes. Yeah, and it stars Kid and Felix, two kind of like out-of-the-box investigators and their backup team of people at the office that kind of help them investigate. And they're out there looking for vampires and aliens and ghosts and, and every cool thing you've seen in Scooby-Doo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of bungle everything up quite a lot. They're they're a selfish, messy duo, but they're the best friends. They have a good time. Yeah, we'd like to say they never do anything the right way or the proper way or the, the way that makes sense. They do things the funnest way possible. Yeah. yeah, I'd say that, so. That I, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing I like about them is that, you know, like making them paranormal investigators is probably the best thing because I know that you guys kind of have a rhythm with your comedy where you take a, you've done this before where you've taken a profession or a certain type of person and been like, but what if it's morons? And leave <laughs> <laughs> it back. <laughs> and, yep. but with this one, I really like it because if you look back at the X Files or even something much more, um, uh, police procedural like the, the the mentalist or something like that. It's always like this wacky, crazy person that like that's like oh they have uh, really eccentric ideas. They're an eccentric genius, and they do a bunch of stuff, and they they automatically are always right, and <laughs> and it kind of always pissed me off. So to see these two characters who are just as you put it, morons. But they keep kind of falling ass backwards into, oh, yeah, we did find the alien. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. perfect. There's a lot of supernatural contrivances in the show. Yeah, they, right. they, they're able to pull off a lot more than they should. <laughs> they're kind of like, and we do call them morons, but when we're actually writing them, it's a little, they are morons. I'm not going to deny that. It's a little more complicated though like they're they are kind of creative and they are in certain ways quite smart it's just it's not applied properly <laughs> well it's there's it, layers know, there's layers there is, you know it always reminds me of the old uh you know the old uh joke about uh you know if you worked half as hard trying to slack off at the job as you do, you know, like at your job, you might actually be okay. You know, like everybody's worked with somebody like that. You know, that's kind of reminds me of that like, it's the, you know, just these guys that are just they, like watching the, the getting to see the first two episodes, like just floating through this universe. And then it's like, and then seeing how that they bump into the right things and then bump into the wrong things <laughs> the way they, you know, like, as you guys put it, like the, the way they, they just kind of like, I think it actually reminds me a lot of life. Just we, you know, <laughs> we just we just bumble into it. It's like it's basically oh shit. it's basically how Geekard was created. It's very yeah, yeah, similar. That's, that's yeah. very, yeah. <laughs> just bumping into also, the right things. Yeah, there was also some intestines. You know, like these things happen. You know, it's, uh, it's the way the, the way it's our it's part of our origin story. 
Yeah. Got I'm not going to say we killed an old guy, but I'm not, not going to say that. <laughs> it may have happened to me. There's a lot of violence in podcast creation. For sure. Oh, totally. Behind the scenes violence. Unstop. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I really love bumping into the right things and bumping into the wrong things. And you're right. That is day to day for me in real life. Just like, oh, I made that work. And then, oh, why the hell did I do that? Right. Well, isn't that kind of how you guys got this show off the ground? Wasn't a yeah. wasn't a wrong email to the right person what got the yeah. show going? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We uh, we pitched the show six or seven years, seven years ago at this point, and it was sitting with Chorus, who had, runs Adult Swim, and for years it was sitting with them. And we we have a lot of friends in the industry, and we send once in a while we send out casual emails like, "What's up?" Let's make some cartoons. And we, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. I apologize. You can fucking say it. Yeah, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought I sent, there's a Brendan and a Brandon. One's our buddy and one was the head of development at Chorus. And I thought I sent this very candid, casual email. Let's make freaking cartoons, loser. And it it went to Chorus. It went to the, the head of development. And I was just, I phoned Chris on Sunday. I'm like, did I send that to the wrong Brendan? And, and we were like, him. for a second, we were a little stressed out. And then we're like, eh. <laughs> and then he wrote back. He's like, hell yeah, let's make some cartoons. And we're like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so you got you got you yeah, you literally are living Kid and Felix's life at this point. Like that just seems like something they totally would have done. Uh, 100%. Yeah, at this point, yeah, Psychops is biographical. Uh 100%. <laughs> oh, man. Well, when uh like I really love um kind of the dialogue that these two characters spew out like everything becomes like a fun little like word puzzle of like this leads to that and this leads to this. And it's interesting to see how their minds work. I, I know there's the, the one clip of, I believe it's kid is lying on the table going, going on about how his life is so all the same all the time. But when he's explaining, it's like you get attacked by a vampire and then you have to get the, you have to suck the blood out of yourself. So you don't become a vampire. And like <laughs> he explains like all the things. And then I love the, the comment. It's like, it's just the same thing. That's totally different. Every time would you guys sit down to, to put these stories together? Do you, do you guys just love going on a tangent? Like how far can we take, these characters and what they're thinking at any moment in time and just shoving it in there. (laughs) Oh, we love it. We love it so much. And I think that that clip in particular kind of sums up, um, you know, for better, for worse, how we treat the, the lore and the magic of the supernatural. And like, everybody loves these stories and we like to kind of play with them and aliens and ghosts and monsters and, and explore the kind of intricacies of those things. And Kid and Felix just totally ignore them. Like they just, (laughs) They do their own thing the entire time. And, and I think for Bart and I, like the creative challenge and like where we have the most fun is like, what do they really want to do? Like they're out hunting Bigfoot. Why? Why? What, what's in it for them? Really? What's in it for just having a good time? And, you know, it goes, yeah. it goes in that direction. Uh, absolutely. And then to the point about writing on tangents, it's like our greatest joy. Like, and, and Chris, I think you say it, TTC, time till crying. Like, if we're, when we're writing episodes, almost every episode, you'll get to a point where you're so far down a ridiculous tangent that we're both laughing, laughing so hard we're crying. Like, it's just, yeah. it just gets so ridiculous. Those don't always make it in. Sometimes those tangent, tangents are way too insane. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we keep as many in as we can. That that saying that about what about this show 
really makes me want to see the stuff you don't put in the show because <laughs> because like we see what's on the screen yeah and that's, and, that, and that's that is a tangent just of epic proportions and if you're cutting stuff because it's too much <laughs> i you guys scare me a little uh... <laughs> well you know what's really funny about that is um uh, i think it's it's bart and i that are the biggest kind of gatekeepers for our own stuff like we we'll push the thing too far and we're like oh this is just too stupid like like we write ourselves into a corner like they're slip and sliding on baby oil around a bank <laughs> and and it, that probably makes no sense to you guys but that's where the episode got to logically and we're like eh, let's Let's step it back. Let's. What are they chasing here? Aliens? Why are they? Why are they doing this? <laughs> and yeah, we work yeah. better when we kind of put those boundaries on ourselves. So, like you know, we could stay within the guidelines and still be oh. stupid within it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just experience on it of stupidity. Definitely, and I, I love I love the the setups of jokes. Sometimes you set them up like in minute three, but they don't pay off until like minute eleven. Like the dude with the house full of mirrors. It's like, you know, cause you know, cause again, it's a, it's an episode about bloody Mary. You know, it's going to go somewhere where you think it's going to go, but you actually take it away and veer it away long enough that it's like the audience forgets so that when it comes back, bam, it hits you in the face. And that I admire that, uh, the comedic timing of your stuff. Like that's, I'm guessing that's something you guys have honed over time, working on so many projects together. Oh, we certainly have. And I really appreciate you saying that. Like, um, I think we have a lot of fun with that. And the extra challenge for us is, I mean, like, we're doing this in 11 minutes. So we're doing something that normally, like, like, I think our brains are like, okay, in a, in like an hour long procedural, we drop this bomb in the, the beginning and then you don't find out until the end. Well, you like, you're talking like minute three to minute 11. That's like six or seven minutes over the course of this episode. We have to really pack in stuff to kind of distract you. Right. Yeah, that's true. Well, you, you're successful at that because I'm like, as you're watching it, and what I, I to Andrew's point, what I actually liked about that gag is that you know, like, you come back to it, you back out of it, you, you come into it, you come back to it. You know, it's like it's always like you're just one. Like I remember, I was watching. I was like, I'm just waiting for it to happen because I know they're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. is this going to happen? And it kind of, you know. As weird as this may sound to some people, but it kind of reminded me of the whole uh, Hitchcock thriller uh, thing about showing the bomb under the table, you know, to build suspense instead of just having it explode in, in a room full of people. Right. Like it's it and it works for the gag, too. Right. Like that's 100 percent. And it's it's funny because we, we talk about this in terms of um, our approach to absurdity. And, and we were just talking about this the other day, like um Early on in our stuff, like we had this web series, World Doctors, and we really, uh, we've always embraced like just kind of confusing the audience on purpose. That's always kind of like being like a secret inner goal and then hoping that people laugh that they were confused. Yeah. And then, and then you kind of realize that not everybody gets that. Not everybody understands that they've kind of like had the, the theoretical kind of rug pulled over their head or whatever. And they kind of need to be led in on this. You need to, you need to pay off that or you need to drop those hints earlier. It just makes everything funnier down the line. And, um, and we kind of like organically, it's either Hitchcock or we talk about like Chekhov's gun, right? Like they don't show a yeah. gun unless you're going to kill somebody with it. Um, it totally applies to comedy and it pays off so much better. Like, like the joke is way stronger if you kind of have like an idea of where it's going, but it still goes sideways from that. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. It's, it's very, it's the density of 
your 11 minutes are another mm. show's hour. That's basically <laughs> <laughs> There's a yeah, there's a lot that goes you, on. Though your 11 minutes contain worlds. That's basically <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a well, lot I mean like Lee, we literally had double the page count for like an 11 minute cartoon and like we had to convince people like this is what it's going to take. Let's do it. Let's record it. And sure, like we'll cut out like maybe, but I don't think we ended up cutting out like a lot of dialogue, but like we just kerned it, made it go faster internally. Like we have this, we call it a sport. Like, like why can't it be faster? Let's push it to like the, the <laughs> like as far as it can go before it loses any sort of logical cohesion and then go further. Yeah. It's, it's funny when, uh, when we first, yeah, to Chris's point about the page count, like, you know, it's a minute a page is usually animations a little more. So like an 11 minute would be 13, 15 pages. Ours are 26. Um, but when we first started the show, we had a couple of people say like, like, these are way too long. Like, get them down to 18, get them down to 18. And we were saying like, this is not going to work. And we did our first six episodes with 18 page scripts and every one of them, we had to add material back in because they ended up being like eight minutes long. We're just like, this script's got to be, and that's painful. Adding more material to a script and a finished voice acted script. That was challenging. Um, but then after that, everyone's like, cool, 26 pages, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think it really gives, uh, because of the speed of it, it gives Kid and Felix like a 1940 serial kind of feel. Cause mm. you know that they were all really like fast with their deliveries. That's what I feel here with these guys. And, uh, they are like, these characters are entertaining as fuck. Mm. Really looking forward to the, the next 22 episodes. You got 22 more episodes to come, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's four, actually. Uh, yeah, there's four up on stack right now. So oh, you can watch the first stack, okay. four episodes and there's going to be two more this weekend. We're going to, uh, every two weeks or every week, there's going to be two episodes go up. All right. Oh, fantastic. Nice. So people should definitely check it out. Psychops available. It's, it's airing on adults from Canada. It's available on stack TV. It is a very funny show and you guys are very funny and, uh, really looking forward to the rest of Psychops and then whatever other crazy yeah. series or, <laughs> show that you guys come up with i'm definitely going to check it out Amazing. oh man well, it's been super fun chatting with you guys yeah thanks a lot guys thanks for having us right. every awesome. a great night thanks guys bye. bye so that was bart bachelor and chris nielsen of psychops psychops is available right now first four episodes available on stack tv and it's airing on adults from canada mr green we come to the end of the show we have indeedy we pa and we packed a lot into this week's episode. We did, we did, we did. We had guest reviewers. It's, it's a lot of stuff going on. Well, there might be people that are like, I didn't, I didn't get enough of you. So where can people find us when we're not here? Uh, as always, if you like what we do here, you can always find additional content at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates in that right now, we thank you guys ever so much. You guys are a big, big, big help. Thanks. For those of you who don't right now, that's super cool. We get it. We get it. You know, just come on over and join us. Join us. Do it. We're not a cult. Honestly, we're not. But we kind of are. But additional content is always available through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Card Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekcardshow.com, for more news, reviews, and the podcast version of this very show, available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But of course, if you're super forgetful like I am or you didn't listen live, Andrew, the best way to hear us is to do what? Is to subscribe to us in your podcasting platform of choice, be it the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you catch your pods. And please, while you're there, leave a five-star rating and review because it helps with the analytics. 
Awesome. And as always, you can continue the conversation with us at any time by emailing geekheartshow at gmail.com. I want to thank Chris Condon and Bart Batchelor and Chris Nielsen for coming on the program, for Chris Condon, for That Texas Blood, for Zeno, for the Enfield Gang Massacre, for Blood is a, sorry, Hell is a Squared Circle, for uh, The Flash, for Chris Nielsen, for Bart Batchelor, for Psychops, for Mr. Green, and for Yuri in the booth. This is Andrew Oksag. If you're going to geek out, you might as well geek hard on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Geek Card with your hosts Andrew Young and Mr. Green right here on Reality Radio 101.